the banks of the Great River, high above the Allure Gorge. This is the Buzzer Podcast. Indie music, new releases, industry insiders, out-of-the-box conversations with guests from the true north, from the west coast to the east coast, to across the pond, and from down under. And now, here is Shay. Hey, y'all. I am Shay. This is the Buzzer Podcast, independent music releases, global coverage. Welcome and enjoy. The Buzzer Podcast will wind down season one of both shows. The top shows of season one will start airing September 6th. The shows airing have the top fan engagement, subscribes, and download count. Today on the show, we have none other than Ronnie Robson, multi-talented artist from Toronto, Canada. The original broadcast aired March 11th. Enjoy the show. Tonight, we are hanging out with Ronnie Robson. Anything goes. We talk about his new podcast, Rhythm Section Broadcast, an exciting podcast series celebrating the history of bass and drums in contemporary music. Hosted by none other than Ronnie Dog Robson. Ronnie is a professional session and touring bass player, cinematographer, producer, and co-owner of Amplitude Films Incorporated. He has been in the music business for 37 years, studied classical piano from the age of seven with the Royal Conservatory of Music, moving on to guitar studies at 12. At 19, he began working in multiple Toronto-based recording studios as an engineer, session musician, forwarding into stage and tour managing with various acts to opening his own production company, aligning with various artists in both concert, television, and documentary productions. To date, Ronnie has recorded with current and or ex-members of Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, White Snake, Hollywood Monsters, Deep Purple, Megadeth, Alice Cooper, Prophecy, John Lennon, Platinum Bond, Jeff Beck, Gatto, Jeff Tall, and several other top bands. Wow, just wow. This is a great show. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Today we have Ronnie Dog Robson. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, Shay. How are you today? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm living life uh, to the fullest. It's yeah, you're, you're quite busy. Well, you're you quite... know what? Yeah, you know, I, I am. And, and things are about to get busier, which is great for me. Tell me a bit about that. Well, you know what? I'm uh, I'm working on a few music projects, like just helping out other people with their music right now. And um, in about another six weeks, I'm heading into. Um, uh, I I also do, you know, being a bass player, being, you know, who I am. I also do do film and um, a great chef um, asked me to he wanted to get back on television and um he, he reached out to me and i said okay let's make this happen for you so um i'm working on that right now as well you know like behind the scenes things 
post-production, pre-production, for post-production rather. And um, I'm having fun with it. So everything, everything's great. And those are demo uh, tapes to submit to a network or is he going to be yeah, going on the air? Yeah, basically what it is is uh, a pilot for his show. And I mean, it, that's it right. The pilot. I made yeah, the wrong term. I <laughs> know. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. But what, what it is, is we got a fantastic, absolutely fantastic um, set um, that we're going to be working with. It's on a golf course. Um, it's uh, actually part of a golf course, but what we're doing is, um, uh, working with them, setting it up. That's how we first started. And we only had one meeting and all of a sudden, you know, like everyone's mind is going everywhere. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we're going to do. And, you know, we're, we're all in tune together to make it happen and we're going to make it happen. Definitely going to make it happen. It is, it is fantastic ideas, fantastic show. He's a fantastic chef. He's probably Canada's leading barbecue chef. I mean, you know, 21, I think it's 21, 21 cookbooks he has out. So. Wow. Can you share his name? Uh, Mr. Ted reader. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be great. and love to see the, the show. Uh, you yourself are quite a chef. Well, yeah, you know, I, I love to cook. I love to make people happy. And that's my biggest thing. You know, I love to, my kitchen is the center of the household. Besides my studio. Yeah. It's the, it's my kitchen. Yeah. Where did you can see that? <laughs> you it, sort of do me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Thank you for noticing. A lot of people notice that I like to cook and, and they always say, they always, you know, I get a lot of private messages too. So can I have the recipe for that? It's like, yeah. Oh, I, really? I don't yeah. doubt it. I don't doubt it. I, I have to hold back sometimes, but uh, I love to cook. It's actually my Zen time. Oh yeah. yeah not, mine you know, too. Yeah. yeah. I Zen too. out. Yeah. Mine too. It's like, leave me alone. I'm in the kitchen. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, if, and you know what? It's funny because sometimes my wife will come into the kitchen and and like all of a sudden an argument will start it's like get out you know it's either you or me go you know and we we have fun with it sometimes together she's, yeah. she's a great girl yeah yeah we do it too i i'm the the chef uh doug's more at the barbecue but he's an incredible baker is he yeah and he can make yorkshire pudding like you wouldn't believe no way uh, I'm being serious. It's outstanding. It's like the best. So, yeah, I get out of the kitchen. I <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, you know what? I, well, you know what? I I know your husband. I think he's at a fantastic guy, but you know what? He never mentioned Yorkshire pudding before. And you know what? And and now I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him on that one. I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm coming over. Yeah, what do you want me to bring? <laughs> You know, tell, tell tell him to make your birthday cake. You can make a, the best chocolate cake you've ever. Tasted. Oh no, chocolate's yeah. my favorite. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, All right. So, I, we're gonna keep him busy. Yeah, uh, do it, do it. So yes. let's get into the the music. Okay. What started your music uh, journey? Because you've been around for quite some time. 
Well, I have. I have and I haven't. I, I did the safe zone and what I call the safe zone. And it was like, okay, I I was brought up on music. My family was very music oriented. I did the Royal Conservatory of Music thing with piano, um, mostly self-taught with guitar. And and you, you know what? I it was always a hobby to me. Not not so much a hobby when I was younger. It was like, you know, a love of life. When I could walk into the kitchen and I could play a song on acoustic guitar, or when someone was around and I could do uh, a song on piano that made them happy, just much like cooking. It made them happy. I was happy. And then later on, I started playing in bands, you know, like I started doing doing my thing. And um, it, it really, I, I, you know what, it really just, it kind of evolved, but I, I, I knew what I was in for, you know what I mean? If I were to pursue the music career, how it was, I mean, I worked in recording studios um, and I would have great bands come in and, and they would talk about, you know, what deals that they, they just made. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was like, okay, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to um, invest in time now and not get anything back tomorrow? So, and it was kind of a, a, a period for me where I went, you know what, I am not going to do this. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I started working for the city of Toronto and I started to do, you know, like I was in music, I was in film, um, either, you know, being a videographer or doing post audio or things like that. Um, I, and different bands and filling in, you know, if, if someone wanted a bass player to come out or a keyboard player to come out, I would learn the set list and I would go out. And mm-hmm. it was kind of a, a comfort zone knowing that, you know, I, I know all kinds of fantastic people, all kinds of what we call stars or, you know, from around the world, but um, in, in having that, that professional um, camaraderie with them, but it was really cool just for me to be me, to be who I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. And with the music industry, man, I saw it years, excuse me, years ago where it was heading. And I just kind of went, okay, I'm not into it right now. And it wasn't until later in life where Uh I started, you know, um, jamming and recording with with, uh, some great people. And you know what? My, My life is fantastic. I love it. And, and... It's a never-ending education for me. I'm always learning stuff, Shay. Always. Well, it's definitely an industry where you are learning daily. I, I could say that. So, uh, simply, uh, you like music, and you started uh, getting into music to make people happy. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Do you know that Robert Plant felt the same way? Really, eh? He says, uh, he had quote, is... Uh, whole idea of music from the beginning of time was for people to be happy. 
There you go. So that's how he sums up music, and you're have in good, uh, a, a good club there. Well, I'm in good company. Thank you, Mister Plant, <laughs> and, and and everyone, so, everyone that knows me knows I'm a huge, huge Led Zeppelin fan. So yeah. there you go, man. Yeah, that's what started my journey in rock too. Yeah. So uh, you started on guitar. When did you transfer to the bass? Um, you know what? I started playing, um, I started playing guitar. It was mostly self-taught, you know, like I was jamming along with radio and I would, you know, back in old school days where you'd set up your cassette next to the radio and you'd wait for a song and you, and I, I did that kind of thing for years. And then all of a sudden I started jamming with a friend of mine who lived very close to me, Steve Jacket, and he had he he was maybe 10, 12 years older than I was, and I think he really dug my sister, and that was how we got together. You know. <laughs> but, yeah, well, you know, well, that happens. That happens. Yeah, and um, and I started jamming with him. And he had different instruments lying around the house, his house. And, and this was in um, Thurstonia Park. This is in between, um, in the Quarthas, in between Lindsay and Bob Cajun on Sturgeon Lake. And I would walk to his house. And sometimes I'd call him and say, hey, you know, are you there? He'd say, go, go, God, come over. So I would go over and we'd jam. And he he kind of taught me how to play drums too like he was wow. but but the thing was is he was always wanted me kind of here here play a bass track to this like you know i play his bass and he had he had a um like a fender precision and um we would we would rock out you know he would like can you do this song let's let's do this song let's jam this or uh-huh. he'd start something and i would follow in but what happened was it, I, I thought, okay, you know, this is cool. And I, I go back on guitar and I, after a little, a little while, I kind of um, like I gained more experience and I gained more confidence in six string. And I started playing with other people around my neighborhood and for some reason, I don't know, I, I always tended to go back to bass. And I thought to myself, would I make a better contribution to any band as a bass player mm-hmm. than I would a guitar player? Because I was starting to understand drums and I was starting to understand how a rhythm section worked. And I really dug how a rhythm section actually drove the band. And I thought to myself, yes, I can make a better contribution as a bass player than I would as a guitar player, a keyboard player, or a vocalist. Because Mm -hmm. the first time I jammed live, I was actually on drums. The second time was keys, guitar, and vocals as a front man. And now all of a sudden it was like, okay, you know what? No, I didn't like what I was hearing. I didn't like what what was around me. Um, and I thought, you know what? There's amazing guitar players, 
there's amazing key players, there is amazing vocals. Mm -hmm. But I understand the rhythm section and drummers always dug when I played bass. So would I make a better contribution as a bass player? Yes, I would. And I have been ever since I decided to make that decision. Well, I don't uh, have any fault with your decision. You're quite good at it. Thank quite you good, very much. Very talented. Uh, the rhythm section is actually the heart of me. I love the rhythm section. Oh, um, well, you know what? You know what? Bass and drums drive the band. Yeah, the engine. You know? They're the engine. Yeah, that's yeah. just it. And that's like my my new podcast, Rhythm Section Rockcast. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, it's all about, about that. So it's so, all about bass and drums and how it moves our soul. Uh, the premiere was last week. Yeah, yeah, and I got I've got a few. I mean, I won't mention who because they haven't actually said yes or no. But we've been talking about, um, you know, different interviews with different amazing drummers and amazing bass players but the second one what i'm going to do is like much like the first one i'm going to go on and and talk about the bass players of motown because motown oh wow yeah they uh excuse me that whole that whole genre really you know helped me and i always say to a younger bass player people say to me you know if you were to give one um one piece of advice to a younger bass player, what would it be? And I say, as a hobby, listen to Motown because it's going to help you later. And you can thank me later for that one. Yeah, for that's sure. interesting. So yeah. just give us a snapshot. I listened uh, to your premiere broadcast. I, it was outstanding, incredibly mm -hmm. professional. Content was amazing. Cool. Uh, can you give listeners just a summary to entice them to go listen? Yeah, it's Rhythm Section Rodcast. It's on Podbean, or you can get it on um, RonnieRobson.com. Mm -hmm. My name. I just released the video. Um, just released, sorry, the uh, the website on Sunday, um, last Sunday. But anyway, um, it's about how I got to kind of point A to I, I can't see C or say Z right now because. I'm in the middle of my um, my journey, but it's how it's all started. And it was five albums that I went to the record store. And in fact, I, I was in Lindsay, Ontario, mm -hmm. and my dad was doing stuff and he wanted to, and I said, drop me off the record store. And I had saved my allowance back in the days where kids got allowance, right? Yeah. So I saved my allowance all summer and it was like August of that summer. And I went to the record store and I bought five albums. And you know what? Those five albums that I purchased just summarized what I was going to do next musically. And part of it was being a bass player. That's when I finally decided, you know, I'm going to do this. So it was, it was Stevie Wonder, I wish, from, from you know, that whole thing with Nathan Watts on bass was absolutely amazing. And he stood out, he drove the, he actually drove the band. Uh, Stevie actually played drums on that track. Really? Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I bought uh, 
Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life. I bought uh, ZZ Top Fandango um, because when I started jamming with other musicians, it was always blues bass, heavy rock. And these guys were older than me, right? I was the younger guy in the room. And that was really cool. And it was Led Zeppelin. Uh, song remains the same. Mm. Um, I had bought a couple of Zeppelin albums prior, but that album, I mean, I had to learn every note from every song off that album. And then you had, um, oh my God, Fog Hat, the Fog Hat live album, which was amazing. A friend of mine had that album and I thought it was really cool. Um, but you, you know what? Actually, I think there were six albums, but there was five albums that really stood out. Yeah. And they were, you know what? They were the ones. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's for sure. So when you learned every note from that Led Zeppelin of albums, did you do it by ear? Or did you do yeah. that change? Really? Yeah. You know what? It is funny because I even say in the podcast, if I the count how many times I dropped the needle on that record because I had to learn there was a rhythm to the, the song. The first part of it was um, celebration day. And I had to learn every bit of that song because it just moved my soul. Like it just like every time I heard the song, either recorded version or live version, I just like, it was everything to me. Uh -huh. So, but what it was Shay is I would, I would, learn the rhythm part of that <clears throat> excuse me and then the lead part was a little bit different so i had to learn that so i would bring the needle back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth and of course being a young guy i used to stand up with the um with the guitar strap and you know i'm ready to go you know like a live it's like could have this been a little bit easier if I sat down next to the turntable? Probably, but you know what? <laughs> but you, you know what? And I did it, and um, I performed it live. Uh, oh man, I don't know how many years later. Probably about eight or nine years later, and people came up to me after the show and went, "You know what? You and the drummer just locked on. Like you guys rocked that. I've never." heard that so amazing before so it's like okay did i make you happy cool that's cool so did you continue to learn music and you do that today uh by ear as opposed to the sheets yeah mostly ear i mean there's a lot of you know technology has changed if i have problems with something i'm thinking okay um I, I, I mostly do it by ear, but sometimes I'll go over to YouTube and like if I have to do a cover song, yeah. or, you know, whatever, I go over to YouTube and what will happen is sometimes I giggle because maybe I'm playing a, a, a lower register of the note that is actually there, but it doesn't sound right. But I'm getting it right, uh -huh. but it's not exactly how it's played. So what I'll do is I'll run through things on, on YouTube sometimes. And I mean, kids today, I mean, they have, the world is the oyster. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but, which is great. Uh, that's that's outstanding to me. But, uh, I believe it was Eddie Van Halen that couldn't read music. I'm not saying you couldn't, but he didn't read from the music. He all did. He did it from his ear. Yeah, you know what? I, I've been I've been classically trained so I can read music. I never go to that though. Yeah. Like I, it just seems like I never, like I'll listen to a song and say, okay, here we go. Okay, yeah. there's the verse, there's the chorus, there's the bridge, yeah. there's, you know, anything different? No, it's pretty structured the same. Okay, let me go for it. Wow, that's talent, but, Ronnie. But yeah, but sometimes, you know, like sometimes I go, okay, not sounding right, <clears throat> excuse me, or I say, or I think, okay, uh, how about live? Like someone who did something live. Um, you know, maybe a bass player has been playing the same song for, you know, 20 years or whatever. They're going to change things up just to change it around. Yeah. And and what I'll do is I'll go and I'll look live, you know, YouTube videos or if someone, uh, a bass player has done something, okay, here's the, the song live. But I'll, I'll, I'll check that out and just, you know, it, there's so many great players out there now. And, and, and as I said, technology has changed. Mm -hmm. it, you know, where, where I've learned stuff in, in 40 years, kids are learning it in seven, right? Maybe not the same feeling, maybe not the, you know, you can, I can really tell, you know, uh, about heart and soul yeah. when I, when I watch people do stuff. It's like, okay, you're 20 years old and you're playing a song that was recorded 40 years. Yeah, you did a good job, but there's no heart and soul in it. There's not. And, and you know what? That's just, it's, it's a time and space and that's just the thing. You live it or you don't. Yeah. Well, your classical training at the conservator would have definitely added to your uh, craft, would it have not? Yeah, it drove me nuts. Shay, it drove me nuts. <laughs> Why? You know, you know, my sister is funny because um going back to to my childhood, my sister was she's three years older than me, and she would she started before me. And it was funny because she would play things, right? And uh -huh. but she stuck by the book where I didn't stick by the book and it drove my, my piano teacher crazy because sometimes like, yeah, I read music. I read sheet music. Sheet music was brought in front of me and I would, I would read it and I would, you know, I would learn it. I, I loved it. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, yeah. but it wasn't like classical piano, Mozart, you know, Chopin, that stuff wasn't for me, but I thought, okay, it's a music study. So, but I would watch my sister play and she would read by the book. She would just do what she did and that was it. And then, you know, my sister would finish, you know, um, her, her practice. And then my mom would say to me, go practice the piano. I'd say, okay. So next thing you know, I'm on the piano and I would, <laughs> I'd play my stuff and all of a sudden I would add like an accent note, you know? And I would even sing the accent note, right? Just to bring yeah. it out more, just to let you know, hey, I added an accent, accent note, check it out. 
and then I would do it in 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 front of my piano teacher. And uh-huh. she would just say, okay, don't do that. We, we need to concentrate on. And I thought after a little while, my sister would be, would be playing. And my sister kind of, I, I even said to my sister, like, do you know this song? My sister was a, was an album buyer like me. She would go out to the record store and she would buy different albums. Mm-hmm. And between her and I, we would have um, like a great, record collection right we, we, we were kind of the same genres but she would branch out and i would branch out and she would listen to stuff and say you know that's cool and i'd say yeah you know that's cool too right but i remember her like i would say to her can you like play this or play that or just like let's jam and she couldn't do it and um, it, it was really weird because it almost become textbook to me where like, I realized that she would be textbook, but I would not be, I would learn probably more from a textbook myself than she would. So it was really yeah. weird, you know, like, and I kind of, I think I made it to grade nine um, in the Royal Conservatory of Music. I mean, I was doing, I was doing really good. And the stuff that I would learn on, on piano, um, I would learn, like it stuck with me. And I remember going out for a Christmas recital, like all of, all of a sudden, you know, we had like, I don't know how many students, maybe about 11 or 12 students from different, you know, age groups. And we played in a local church and that was in Dunsford. And that was really cool. But anyway, what happened was, is uh, me being me, as I went out and I already knew what I was going to play. And I was, I was playing Jingle Bells for the audience. So I went Mm -hmm. out and I put my sheet music on the, um, on the, uh, you know, on the piano and I started playing and next thing you know, I got a tap on the shoulder and it was my music teacher, Mrs. Herbert. And she, she <laughs> stopped and she turned the music around because I had it upside down. But, oh, really? you know what I mean? And of course everyone started laughing, right? Uh-huh. And I mean, you know, it, it was a great, it was a great time for me because I mean, growing up, I had it the best life ever. I mean, you know, my parents owned a cottage resort. I was in, in heaven. I, I, I just, I had everything I needed and more, but I didn't realize it then, but, I, but I was still just a happy kid and, and music, um, learning theory and learning everything that needed to be learned. I was totally into it, but I, I just wanted more. Like I wanted to, yeah, classical piano is great. Learning, you know, music theory is fantastic. Um, but I want to rock. Like, I want to get out there and I just want to let go. And I did. <laughs> is that what attracted you to yeah, rock? Yeah, you know, like watching stuff, on, uh, watching stuff on television, you know, you'd have Bachman Turner Overdrive. You'd have you know, April wine, you'd have all these bands. And I just like, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to end up. That's where I think I would be the most happiest. And 
Yeah, it worked out. It totally worked out, Shay. So you're, because your sister was into music and you had a sort of a shared record collection, was she one of the greatest influences on the music that you listened to? Or was it the people you hug around with or your own individual taste? You know what, Shay? It was both. It was mm -hmm. both. And I think we had mutual friends too. Um, and we, we had a great, like, not only did our family, um, have a great musical background. I mean, my uncle wrote for, um, Moxie Whitney and Guy Lombardo, right. And he had muscular dystrophy. Like he was amazing. Wow. But, um, I think what it was is we were just into that time period in the seventies that music was everything, you know, like we always had the radio blasting. We always, our friends did too. And, and our friends had similar music similarities to, uh, to us, you know, it could be anywhere from Jethro Tull to Max Webster or, you know, Rush or Zeppelin or, you know, anything yeah. like we, we always had, the same thing. So my sister, yes. Yes. Yeah, it sort of happened to be that way too, because uh, I was it, I was influenced by uh, my parents' uh, influences, like, uh, believe it or not, Herb Albert, Plasti Klein, uh, Johnny Cash, and my older siblings, because we had a larger family, right. uh, brought home uh, Alan Patterson's project, nice. uh, Queen, you know, uh, all of that. Uh, and then uh, my own influences and what I like. Uh, oh, my well, favorite band is uh, Aerosmith. Nice. <laughs> but, nice. In fact, in fact, my wife and I were talking about Aerosmith um, the other night. We went to the Aerosmith con last concert in Toronto. I was there. And oh my God. I was there. And <laughs> Uh, it was good, eh? We had such a fun night. I was with my sister and her boyfriend at the time. And we had, oh my God, we had such a good time. And we have it, like, we even had a great time later. But you said Patsy Klein, and I have and still have a major crush on that girl, Patsy Klein. Oh my God. When she sings. Oh, yeah. Buttermilk. The, the world stops for me. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. She's she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I still. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I still do Patsy Klein nights. Nice. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, one of your releases, "Numb." Uh, it was written oh, yeah. uh, with Steph Hahn and Vinnie Apice uh, and yourself. Yeah, you know what, Steph. Yeah, Steph Hahn wrote that song. We we redid that song, Vinnie Apice and me. And Vinnie Apice was drummer for Black Sabbath and uh, Ronnie James Dio. He played with even John Lennon, Vinnie Apice. He's an amazing guy. You know what? He's a really nice guy, too. And so, Steph, and we, um, Numb is one of my favorites. In fact, we did a lyric video for the song, too. And it is amazing. Yeah. You want to hear well, now? So let's listen to it now. Let's go. 
had a chance to hear the see the lyric video but uh i'm definitely going to check it out after this uh podcast yeah a guy wrote it we he actually did it for nothing this guy he, he is really good he's he done he's done stuff for a lot of bands so everyone's kind of saw the um significance of hollywood monsters and so did i and that's why i kind of you know, reached out to staff. We, we met online and, um, you know, it was, it's just one of those things where I kind of fell into and I'm glad I fell into it. As I said, he's, he's a really nice guy and, and, uh, I, I'm really appreciating, um, being involved with, uh, with, you know, the whole project. So this is part of the Hollywood monsters. Yes. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us a bit about that? Yeah, you know what, Steph and I, um, we, we kind of met online and it was, it was, it was a weird thing because I woke up one morning and somebody uh, shared a video and um, it was with Steph with, um, uh, I can't remember who it was now. Oh man. Anyway, um, they shared a video and I went, this is really cool. Like this guy is good, man. Yeah. His vocals are insane. Oh yeah. And I, I reached out to Steph and I went, Hey man, this is really, really good. And, uh, he goes, thanks. You know, like I, uh, and I, I started talking about the recording of that, that song and we kind of hooked up and, you know, he got to know about me and I got to know about him a little more. And one day he said to me, uh, send me a message. He says, you know, I've done this and this and this and this. I don't know what to do next. And I said, what you need to do is, is release another Hollywood Monsters album because what you've done with that is amazing. So um, we had done just just prior to that conversation, we have done a few things, uh, a couple of David Bowie songs we recorded together um, mm -hmm. with, uh, with Sasha Tukach, which Sasha used to play with Platinum Blonde, another Canadian band, right? So mm -hmm. we recorded with him and um, we started doing a few things. And, and then the conversation was, you know, I don't know what to do next. Um, and he's, you know, I don't think he was looking for much feedback, but I, I did say to him, I said, you know, the things that you did with Holly Monster School, I think you should revisit that because you've got an amazing, uh, you know, there's amazing background for that. So um, he's like, okay. So we started talking more and more and he asked me, he says, you know, we'd be interested in doing any, um, any base for it and i said yeah you know of course so uh you know we contacted Vinny apathy and it was like you know here's what we got here's what we're doing um would you be interested yeah so it was like basically steph Vinny and i as as the nucleus for um the album thriving on chaos so um and then things started to get really interesting because um Steph basically came up with all the material for the album which is fantastic and um there there was one song in particular uh 
a scream looking for a mouth. And we were recording that. And uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was funny because like there, there, he surprised me throughout this album. You know, him and I, we basically produced it, Steph and I. It was engineered by him, myself, and another dude who works with Danko Jones. Again, another Canadian, mm -hmm. you know Danko, right? Yeah. His name is uh, Vic Florentia. So we got into this album. We, we started talking back and forth. What are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We started to do demos back and forth. But a scream looking for a mouth, I remember Steph had that already recorded. And we sent it off to Vinny. Vinny recorded the drums. He sent it back. And... Um, there was a, a guitar solo and what happened was there was a little section just before the guitar solo. It was like more like a, um, uh, like a pre-chorus or a pre-solo kind of, kind of thing. And I, I did a, like a little bass wah thing. Yeah. I hooked up my, you know, I thought, you know, what'd be really cool. We got this, you know, two bar thing. Let me, you know, drop a little wah wah in there just to hold the time you know, make it a little, you know, show some dynamic and throw it in. Next thing you know, it wasn't about four days later, maybe three days later, Steph is working on the, uh, on the track. He sends it back to me. And I was really curious, of course, what he did with the, the bass wah-wah thing or his solo. Well, he replaced his solo and he talked to Don Airy mm -hmm. and Don Airy has played with Deep Purple. He's played with everyone. He's a fantastic keyboard player. And um, Don Airy replaced his solo. And he also used like a wah in the, in the solo. And that was just like, I almost fell off my chair when I heard that. When I said to him, like, I, I thought, is, is that Steph doing that? Like it's, and he goes, no, man, it's Don Airy. I got Don Airy in here. And I mean, the album, the album consists like not only Stefan or Vinny Apice and I, but it's also Don Airy, Danko Jones, Alexis Von Craven played a drum track on, uh, on a tune. He's a great, great drummer from, from Toronto. Greg Godovitz, you know, Greg, right? From Godo and Flood. I've never met Fred him. Fred Miko. You've but, never met him? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> Everyone's met Greg. I think Shay's everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. And if, if you're female, you know, like, oh, geez. Holy smokes. Uh, well, oh. uh, no. I bet, uh, continue. No. Continue. You, you know what? We've got Glenn, uh, Glenn Drover, X Megadeth Testament. I reached out to Glenn. I said, hey, man, yeah. can you uh, can you play on a track? And I, I did a couple albums with him. So, you know, he's like, yeah, cool. I'm into it. Here's the song. You know, do it. But Jim Green, we got Fred Mika, Tommy Denander, played lead guitar on Drop Dead. We did a actual a Gatto song, Greg Gottavis. Mm -hmm. And and Tommy Denander actually did the lead and he mastered it. And Tommy's got a really cool resume. Um, he keeps on going back to uh, to Alice Cooper, either in production, writing, or even oh, really? uh, performing. Yeah, so he's on the album too. And I mean, just 
you know, it ended up to be what? How many Canadians on this album? Plus, oh, plus we got the late and great Ted McKenna. Ted, uh, Ted passed away um, in 2019, and we had a drum track. Uh. And um, we, uh, uh, Steph kind of wrote a song around his drum track. Rewrote a song actually. It's called "Running Uphill." And I mean, I, I saw Ted twice. Uh, playing drums with Michael Schenker group. So it's an all-star cast. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, if you were to look into Hollywood Monsters as a as a whole, there's an amazing, amazing, oh yeah, definitely. And it's all all headed by Steph Hunt. Yeah, it's all-star. Yeah. yeah, and Steph did the artwork for that album, did he not? No, it was, it, you know what? It was out of Brazil. Oh, he did? No, I no, thought you he know did. what? He is an amazing artist though. Oh, I know. I've commissioned yeah. some of his work. Steph, oh, yeah. Steph is amazing. You know what? He's an all-around great guy. I mean, you know what? I, I'm hoping that that uh, he gets picked up by, you know, a major act. A major, you know, someone that, that really needs help, and Steph will help them, definitely. You know, I yeah. could see him doing Foreigner. I could see him doing, you know, like any any real classic rock because he he does everything like he sings he writes he he plays keyboards he's a guitar player and you know what he's a good bass player too that cat's oh, really? a good bass player oh yeah all around great multi -talented. oh yeah. yeah no he's multi-talented and he works very hard at his craft i i have have him on my facebook and uh he every day almost he's uh oh yeah showcasing his talent with yeah. uh, songs, yeah. it's amazing, amazing. So well, let's talk about the Pat Travers song uh, that uh, you worked with the former uh, yeah. Megadeth guitarist Glenn Drover uh, with uh, a song called Untitled. Oh, yeah. And I'll be honest with you, every time I have an artist give me an untitled track, I go, dude, you wrote the song. How does it come out without a title? <laughs> so, you have to explain that to me. You know what? Blame Pat Travers for that. You know what? Another another Canadian. Blame Pat uh, Pat Travers. He um, really? it, it was it was songs called Untitled, and um, he he wrote it. And I mean, it's an amazing tune. And what had happened was, is Glenn and I would hang out. Glenn and I basically lived about oh. maybe a 10, 15 minute drive away from each other. And my business partner in Amplitude Films, they worked together. And I went out to to see, which is, you know, another amazing story in itself, is I took my wife to see Megadeth. She loved Megadeth, right? She's a big Megadeth fan. And I was, she was there to see Megadeth, but I was there to see Heaven and Hell, which, you know, Geezer Butler, Ronnie James Dio, Tony Iommi, and and Vinny on drums. So anyway, <laughs> we, you know, we go to the show, have a great time. You know, we go out to dinner and I text my, uh, my uh, business partner. I said, Hey man, we just came back from, uh, from heaven and hell and, and Megadeth had a great time. I'll talk to you tomorrow because he sent me a message on something that we needed to discuss. And I said, you know what? I'll still be up early. Let's, uh, let's talk. So 
I said, you know, the, the um, upon conversation the next morning, I said to him, I said, you know, that uh, the drummer and the bass player are brothers and they're from Toronto. And he goes, yeah, Glenn and Sean. He goes, I used to work with Glenn. I said, you're kidding me. So it wasn't, you know, maybe a few weeks later, um, just out of conversation and things, uh, Glenn and I hooked up. And you know what? And it wasn't never about music. It was always about, mm-hmm. you know, like just life in general. You know, like he was married. He had a, had a kid. Now his kid's in university, which is great. And I mean, you know, we, we talked. We would uh, we'd burn down patios everywhere we went. And it was such an amazing time. And I remember him sending me a, a message and saying, you know, we've known each other for a, for a couple of years. I've never heard you play a note. And I went, cool. okay, give me something to play. Like, what do you want? You know, what do you want him to do? So he sent me um, a song he was working on, which from Pat Travers, a cover untitled. And he played keys. He did the drums, but he says, you know, I'd like you to play bass on this. So I did. And I, yeah, well, I looked up the, um, the re- and I said, you know what? There's, there's yeah. really no place for me to go, but the original, yeah. the only thing I can do is kind of crank up um, the original sound, you know, would you be interested in that? And then I played it. And next thing you know, he's like adding it. It was never released though. That song was never released and it's on the website and I added it to the website because I'm kind of, you know, like I'm kind of proud of it, man. It's great. It's a great song. And thanks to Pat Travers for writing that song, by the way. Yeah. yeah. You should be proud of it. It's a great track. Yeah. Awesome. Do you want to listen to it right now? Let's go. This is untitled. Glenn Drover, Ronnie Robson, Pat Travers, tune untitled.
No, I really enjoyed the track. I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so you've collaborated with uh, quite a few people, quite a few, sorry, groups, uh, bands. Uh, could, do you want to talk about them or do you want me to throw out some names? <laughs> yeah, you know what? The thing about it is, 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 is the bio states. And it was funny because I didn't write this bio. Um, and when I, and when I looked at all the names, I went, holy cow, did I do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not standing, Ronnie. Okay, I'm going to read them because you're not. Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, White Snake, Deep Purple, Megadeth, Testament, Quiet Riot, Blue Oster Cult, Thin Lizzy, Prophecy, Ronnie James Dio, Platinum Blonde, Hollander, Danko Jones, Gatto, Heaven and Hell, Jeff Rotel and the Michael Shunter Group and Hollywood Monsters. You've been very busy with Top Talent, so you're part of that group, I would say. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, what it is is I, yeah. I recorded with current or ex members of same thing those bands, <laughs> right? And it's cool because I'm, yeah, you, you know what? And I'm I'm getting um I'm getting emails from from people saying, you know, Hey, I'm looking for a bass player to, um, you know, to tour with, or my band's looking for a bass player to tour with. And again, I won't mention any names right now. We'll, we'll leave it open. But, um, so I've, I've got the recording end of things down, which, which is cool, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, also the touring end of things, which is amazing because now I, I, I get to get it. I get to leave the house and that will be really cool because I've, I've been, you know, I retired in, uh, uh, Mar uh, February 29th. I saw that. Congratulations. Year, last year. Yeah. Thank you. And now, and the thing about it was, is, is Hollywood monsters was supposed to tour, uh, that summer. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take, when I can go, I'm going to go, I'm going to rehearse. I'm going to get, you know, my proverbial crap together and make sure that, that when we do tour, that I will just be absolutely outstanding in this, in this band. And we were supposed to, it was Steph Hond, um, Vinnie Apice, Vinnie Apice agreed to tour as part of Hollywood Monsters. And um, we had an amazing guitar player mm -hmm. who played with uh, Ronnie James Dio and Vinny was in the band at the same time, um, a period of time with Ronnie James Dio. His name is Tracy G. He's absolutely fantastic. He's from California. And it was, uh, we're going to do Northeastern States into Canada. So we would, we would tour the States and then come back into Canada and then we would decide what to do, but everyone kind of agreed to it. This is what we're going to do. Pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, we're all at home. So I got other bands reaching out to me now saying, um, you know, this is what's going on. If we need you, would you be okay? Would you be cool with it? And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I get to leave the house. Yeah. And I really want to leave my house. Like I love my house. <laughs> But I want to leave. Yeah, you're a people you know? person. You're a people person. I can understand oh, yeah. that. I can understand that. So do you anticipate getting back into touring with all the way 
Hollywood monsters? You know what? I would love that. And um, put it this way. Once things start to open up, I am going to say to the guys, we have to do this. We have to get out, especially this lineup. You know, if we had a keyboard player or whatever, fantastic. But with this lineup, I mean, Tracy G is an amazing guitar player. Vinny Apice, his resume speaks for itself. So does Steph. I mean, it would be, I think, I, I don't think you'd ever see us not smile on stage together if we entered it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it would just be one of these things. So answer to your question, yes, 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 and yes. Good. Awesome. Yeah. So the next track I think to talk about, uh, Heroes, um, you sent me an alternative version that was never released. Uh, incredible vocals. That also right. a lot of top artists on that track as well. Yeah, you know what? It was funny because Stefan had already recorded that song. And uh, yeah, and he was like, okay, you know, this was supposed to be released for, um, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, supposed to be released so people could, uh, for, for, pro, um, for, oh, why can't I think about what? A demo? No, it was supposed to be released um, so people would, would hear it and they would go, I love it. And then they would donate money and then the money would go somewhere else, right? Or to a, a fundraiser. Right, to a few different to a few different charities. Of course, that never happened. So he was sitting kind of sitting on that. So but but okay. the what I call the Canadian version because I was the last to put kind of the, the, the finger on it. But what it is, Steph Hunt, Vinnie Apice, Michael Sweet, Jenny Hahn, Danko Jones, Matt Slevin, Ryan Roxy. I mean, Ryan Roxy's an amazing guitar player. Darren Crisp, Alessandro DeVecchio, and he's amazing. Uh, he's amazing keyboard player. Andy uh, Kuntz, Ron Bumblefoot tie. I, I mean, you know what? Rudy Sarzo and I uh, finished the bass duties. So we still have plans for this one. There's still, you know what? It's like, okay, we're all doing our different things, but uh, Rudy Sarzo's a, a, a great bass player. I mean, he played with Quiet Ride and White Snake and like Blue Easter Call, he's played with everyone. Um, and he's a great animal lover. Like he's a, he's a great guy. And when, when I finished with the city of Toronto, it was municipal licensing and standards, like bylaw for animal services. So, um, I didn't know that I knew it was bylaw, but I didn't know it was animal. Yeah. The last, uh, I think six, maybe seven years closer to seven, I think. But anyway, we, we were talking about that and, and I said, you know what, uh, proceeds go to City of Toronto Animal Services because they do a lot of great work in a lot of countries uh, and different provinces and states around the world have actually, um, you wouldn't believe how many have, have contacted um, City of Toronto and said, you know, I really like what you're doing with this program. Can you explain 
more about it and they wanted numbers and stuff like that. Wow. So, and it wasn't until, um, what happened was the city of Toronto released a, um, uh, a, th a thing on social media about, um, you know, you see people, homeless people with pets, right? Mm -hmm. And the only thing that people think of is, oh my God, that poor dog, right? But that dog, that dog and that person are best friends, right? And a lot of, um, a lot of shelters are now opening up to allow pets because they know that, yeah, that these people, these two beings belong together. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is, of course, they need crates, you know, they need like a, a cage to go into and they sleep right next to um, their owner. And then, you know, seven o'clock, they wake up, they have breakfast, the dog eats, they go out, you know, and they spend the day outside and then they come back again. And I thought, how many phone calls have I received from, you know, from people, from uh, different, uh, you know, different people in the city of Toronto saying, hey, I'm getting phone calls on this or city council saying we need to do something about this. And I went, yeah, well, we're going to do something about that. And here's what you're going to do, you know? And uh, yeah. And I pissed a lot of people off, which is good, which is great. You know, you got to remember something is politicians are in it for, yeah. you know, a minimum of four years and they do stuff for votes, you know, the majority and people that work for the city of Toronto were in it for 30 plus. Yeah, true. Enough. You know what? And we make we make we make things happen, you know, um, and that's where I, I, I talked to Steph about this, too. And I said, you know, like this is what's going on in the city in my city and maybe other cities will, you know, because of other people calling in. Um, <laughs> man, we're making we're making an impact, you know, we are. And so Steph went, you know what, let's do it. Let's do it. So we're still working on, on, you know, that platform. Um, mm -hmm. What I want to do is I want to want to talk to a few media people in regards to, you know, getting it out to, to the different uh, credited media so that, you know, maybe they'll do a story on it and then maybe they can, um, you know, we'll get more vision and we'll get more, um, we'll get more downloads. If we get more downloads, the city of Toronto animal services and the people of the city of Toronto will get more, uh, you, you know, what they need. And not only that is other people will look in and say, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, we noticed this, this is really cool. Um, you know, we want to do the same thing and you know what? We'll help them out too. Why the hell not? That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I definitely a lot of the uh, larger fundraising projects started with one idea, one city, and blossomed to a national, yeah, uh, national wave of support. Well, exactly. And you know what? We're we're here to help everyone. You know, yeah. as you said, you know, like a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, rock stars, rock stars, rock stars." There's a lot of good rock stars out there. You know. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I never consider myself a rock star. Oh, so don't be self-depreciating. You're running. I walk into run. a room, somebody somebody yells out "rock star." I always turn around and look to see who's there. 
Are you kidding? I'll <laughs> never want to be known as a rock star. Just, you know what? Ronnie Robson, nice guy, pretty good bass player. That's, okay. That's, okay. We'll just whisper yeah. when they come in. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're going to listen to that track next. Yeah, so. Heroes, the Canadian version, Hollywood Monsters. Let's go. Enjoy.
I love the story behind Heroes, and I absolutely love the track. And Steph is the vocals on that? Yeah, well, you know what? Steph, Danko, Jenny. Yeah, like we got okay. a lot of We got, you know, a lot on. The, it was, it's like shared vocal duty, and they all did an amazing, yeah, awesome. amazing job. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yep. I yep. loved it. I loved yep. it. It was very inspirational. Yep. And it will do well when you uh, finally do the uh, fundraising. Well, yeah. And keep me in the loop. Oh, I will. And you know what? The, the crazy thing is, it's just like listening when I get tracks back from um, from Vinny. I always, you know, used to giggle and say, you know, like I'm, I'm recording with Vinny. Well, same thing with Rudy Sarzo. It was like, okay, now I have to share a track with with Vinny. So I'll, mm-hmm. I, I got his track and I thought, okay, how am I going to, no, man, I'm just going to play along. I'm just going to. You know, there's some, so we shared it. It's about, it's about 50, 50, maybe 52, 48%. But I mean, in favor of him, but it's all there. You, you're from, from Toronto, right? Yeah. Okay. That's my hometown and where I, right. I live most of my life. Um, so, and it just, I'm trying to picture sure. what area you lived in because it seems like a lot of areas in Toronto because you had, uh, very tight community and tight uh, circle of friends. Like, where in Toronto was that? You know what? I was I was born in Scarborough, Brimley, Brimley and Eglinton, okay. and then about four years of age, when nineteen sixty nine, my parents bought a cottage resort in the Corthas, in between Lindsay and Bob Cajun on Sturgeon Lake on the North Shores. But my parents, um, sorry, my grandparents, um, on both sides of my family are in Leslieville. My um, my grandparents on my um, father's side, Dundas and Broadview, and and my um, uh, grandparents, where I spent most of my time, was at um, uh, Carla in Eastern, Carla and Queen area. Yeah. Which Broadview in, you know, Queen area. And when, and you know what? I, when I retired, when I started working for the city of Toronto, it was on Eastern Avenue, right by, right by my grandparents' house. And when I retired, yeah, I'm very familiar it with was you, right by my grandparents, the same yard, the same building. It's amazing. Like, to turn it all around. But I went to, after a little while, my, my parents split up and, and I started living in uh, Leslieville in my, in my grandparents' house. And high school was uh, Danforth Tech. So I, I met a lot of people in the neighborhood and I, I didn't, I didn't, cause I was kind of a, um, a recluse, you know, like I, I stayed to myself a lot back then. I just worked on music and I just worked on mm-hmm. uh, meeting girls and I, I, I met a few. <laughs> no, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I lived in every area in Toronto. Uh, Did you? Yeah. My favorite part was uh, uh, Dover Court and Bloor. Really? Dover Court and Bloor? Yeah. I lived there for three and a half years. I loved the culture. Uh, I love the Portuguese community yeah i was gonna say that my my children are my children are all really? portuguese yeah they're um beautiful oh beautiful. combination of the portuguese and english french See? <laughs> 
Oh, but it's Jeez. one of my favorite areas in Toronto. Yeah. Other than, other than Greektown on the Danforth. Well, it's funny because, you know, you had your sections, right? Like back yeah. in the, back, oh, yeah. especially the uh, late 50s, 60s, into the 70s, everyone kind of gravitated into their own little area, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's, what, that's what I love about Canada. You know, we're so diverse, you know, like we just, we're, we're a salad bowl, a huge salad bowl. And it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, you know what? On um, on uh, on my mother's side, it was uh, Irish, mm. and on my and on my dad's side, it was Scottish. Scottish, but but immigrate from uh, they immigrated to Newcastle, England. His father. Wow. So I mean, you know what? The whole the whole area down there. I mean, I could I could walk with a camera crew and tell stories about uh, the, the entire area and buildings and, um, you know, and make it kind of personal, too, because mm -hmm. that's, you know, where my family grew up. That's yeah. And I just and I feel it. And I lost it. You know, what I mean, when I when I retired, I kind of went, when is the last time am I going to be here? Yeah, right? I can see that. Yeah. And yeah, there's I, a lot of history to the city people don't know. Yeah. And it's amazing. That the city of Toronto is an amazing city. It really is. It is I mean, I can walk in every neighborhood and show you something. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it, right? From working with the city of Toronto. And that Working with the city actually afforded me to uh, branch out and see other areas. I mean, and other, I mean, I could go way back, like first year I worked for the city of Toronto, it was Old Weston Road in St. Clair. And every Friday, we would drop off down on Junction Road. There was a place that smoked fish. And there was a guy that knew the guy in there, and he would get us smoked fish. And back mm -hmm. in those days, I mean, no one had a problem. Everyone was friendly. Everyone, there was a kind of a code of ethics. And I mean, uh, Fridays, it was like we'd finish maybe 45 minutes earlier. We'd go get fish. We'd open up the bottle of wine, you know, and we were, we were two minutes from the yard and we would have a beautiful late lunch and everyone was happy. Nowadays, I mean, you know, you'd be ratted on and arrested. And that's the way our world is going. But but that's that's how things were. You know, we got the job done. We made sure the job was done, but we had our fun too. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good time. Oh yeah. They'll come, they'll come back. That's it. I honestly believe they will. I think so. Well, I'll, I'll die trying. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, I know. Yeah. I know. So, where do you think the industry is right now, and how's how, what do you feel it needs to get out of this whole COVID thing? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, no. We gotta wait for we gotta wait for people just to, to smarten up and go. You know what? I'm fed up with being at home. I'm gonna toe the line. I mean, you still got people yeah. saying, I'm not wearing a mask in Walmart. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. 
I mean, you know, our numbers are going down. Um, the music industry as a whole, I mean, you can put out album after album. You're going to make pennies doing it. Um, touring is where it's at. So if people, um, if, if basically if people, if people like seeing live music, they want things to go, they want to be able to on a Friday or Saturday, or Sunday night or any night or any time of day that they want to go and sit down in a restaurant, um, not comply, then it's their fault. I mean, I, I don't know how many, how many musicians are wanting to say basically what I'm about to say. And it is, look, don't be a dick. Yeah. We want to get out and play. You want to come and see us. We want the world to be uh, back to normal. So do you. Um, don't be a dick. Let's go. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. You know, and not only the, the music industry, it's like other industries as well. You know, it's like, come on, everyone. And we go, oh, I'm not going to toe the line. Toe the line. What? Wear a mask? Who cares? Let's get the numbers down. You know what? How many people that I've seen online who uh, six months or seven or eight months ago, you know, like, oh, it's a conspiracy, this, that, and the other, they would post, I just lost my grandmother to COVID or I lost my great aunt. And it's like, where I, where I would never in a million years say anything to them. But in hindsight being 2020, I'm thinking, oh my God. Because was it someone else that spoke like you or thought about you that actually, you know, had an impact on, on that situation? Like, don't think about yourself. Think about others. Like, forget about musicians. For, for, forget about us. Forget about the uh, movie industry. Forget about everyone. It's like, let's worry about the restaurant owners let's worry about our own family let's worry about the family that mm -hmm. of friends and family and people that you do not know okay let's worry about them let's could i do something to endanger someone else okay um is that is that being a dick no it's called being a human being Right. So be a human being and help out other people. Don't worry. If, as soon as people start doing that, restaurants will open, mm -hmm. uh, movie theaters will open. You'll start to see bands. You'll start to see, you know, things will come alive. But help out your fellow human beings. Don't like get offline and stop doing this friggin', you know, conspiracy theory crap. Okay, where the where the virus came from, we're gonna we're gonna find out. We're gonna know. Okay, we're we're gonna you know it doesn't take it, it's just gonna take a little bit of time to figure that out. But don't you know what I mean? Like just because you're not liking something, that something is going on, um, you know what? Think about other people because people are dying because other people aren't thinking. And that's what it basically comes down to. Uh, fair enough. I agree you with know? you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah.
Just like, you know what? And the final thing is, COVID, don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be That's a it. dick. Be Ronnie a... told you. Don't Ronnie Dog told you. I'm telling <laughs> you. You don't want to wear a mask. Stay the hell home. Don't go, yeah. don't go anywhere. Wash, wash your friggin' hands. Come yeah, on. I wear a mask. I agree with you. I agree with you. So, yeah. can you tell us again uh, where to go to to get to sign up and subscribe to that rockcast. Oh, the rhythm <laughs> section rockcast. Yeah, Actually, just you know what? They can get it through my website, which I just released on Sunday. Was it February 28th on Sunday? Because we have to do dates. But um, if they go there, there's a section on the top called rockcast, but it's uh, it's part of Podbean. It's called the rhythm section rockcast. And in fact, the, the last Hollywood Monsters album um, can be purchased online uh, through my website as well. It's on there, and I share the uh, I, I share the proceeds with the guys. So, oh, yeah. awesome! Awesome! Yeah. I told staff, I said, no problem. Here's what I'm going to do. Let's do it. There's no um, there's no online thing. I mean, we've got um, for for physical copies. It's Bicky Music in Japan. Um, and diehard music in uh, Brazil. So, so that's good. So everything we talked about in the show, they can access through your new website. They can access, yes, RonnieRobson.com. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Ronnie, and sharing your music and your stories. And uh, it's great. It's been great. Shame. Shame. My my, my pleasure. And you know what? Knowing your husband, I want you to give him a big hug for me. Okay. <laughs> right. Give him a huge one and tell him his Walmart card is in the mail. <laughs> okay. okay? <laughs> That's a hidden joke. but <laughs> yeah, Totally hidden joke. But you know what? The Walmart card is in the mail. Okay. 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 Thank you very much, and thank you, everyone, for listening. The Walmart card from Johnny Dog. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your time, Ronnie. Thank you. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the Buzzer Podcast Network. Season two begins soon. The Buzzer Podcast will wind down season one of both programs. The top episodes of season one will start airing September the 6th. These are the season one shows with leading fan engagement, subscribes, and download count. The gratitude I have for the remarkable artists who share their music on the Buzzer Network is over the moon. To our loyal listeners, thank you for tuning in and being a powerful part of our achievement. Because of you, the Buzzer Podcast is top 10% of the most popular shows out of over 2.6 million podcasts ranked by Listen Score. Follow us on Instagram at The Buzzer Media and on Twitter at The Buzzer Indie. Subscribe fees at TheBuzzerPod.com. Without you, none of what we do is possible. Listen in and remember, without music, our campus is blank. On-air indie, from iPad to yours, over the airways. Until next time, cheers, y'all.